Um, when I was in high school, I, I remember coming to the end of this journey, like really looking forward to getting to the end. You, you remember you get to that point where you're a senior, and, and you get your final class schedule, and you know that this is the, the last time you're going to get this schedule, that you're going to be in this high school, and you get to start this new year. And I remember things along the way that really stood out. My last football game um, at Texas Stadium, we got beat by John Tyler, still a little bitter about that. Um, my last baseball game, hanging out with friends, my last test, um, turning in my last projects. I remember getting my senior pictures. I remember ordering my cap and gown. And I remember that Saturday morning, arriving at Moody Coliseum on the SMU campus, as one of the Garland schools, here's our two-hour slot for our graduation. And they march us in. Y'all remember those days? And you're so proud because you've come to the end of this journey, this completion, and you're so excited about what it means. And there are some things that you learn along the way about endings. One, endings are final. Like there's really this sense of finality to an ending, that you've completed something, that you've finished something. It's when you walk out of school for the final time or walk out of that office for the final time. It's when that relationship is over or the casket closes. There is something very final about an ending. Secondly, endings are emotional. That you poured so much of your life and your energy and yourself and who you are into arriving at this point. And when you finally get there, there is this moment of, what, what do I do now? What comes next? And, and in those moments, there is this sense of celebration and sadness. There is joy and there are tears. And sometimes in the exact same moment for the exact same ending. Some are filled with grief. Others with jubilation. But endings are emotional. And the third thing is this that I learned in high school. That endings are also new beginnings. That every time you come to the end of something, it signifies at the same time starting something new. See, I walked out of that school for the last time. I walked across the stage. I shook hands with the administrators. I received a diploma, and I was done. I'd worked so hard to get there, and I was finished. Or so I thought. Because just a few months later, I found myself sitting back in a classroom, starting this same journey over again. And as I came to the end of this journey, there were many of the same emotions and same feelings that I experienced before. It almost felt like deja vu. 
There was turning in the final paper and taking the final exam. There's checking the grade to make sure you passed. There's saying goodbye to your friends. There's walking across the stage, shaking hands with administrators. There's moving the tassel from one side to the other and throwing your caps in the air. It felt like I had done this before. Which is kind of intriguing. Because the first time I experienced it, it was an ending. And so you would just logically think, well, if this was an ending, I wouldn't experience the same thing over again. But yet there I was, back in this place where it felt like I had been before. And probably in your life, you can point to lots of endings. Moments where you came to this and there was this finality to the moment. There was the emotion of celebration and joy, maybe tears and sorrow and grief. But it led to this new beginning. The last day I was an athlete. I still pretend. The last day is a single man. She's not here. The last day with a pregnant wife. Hallelujah. 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 Don't tell on me. You come to the end of this moment and you look back at how far you've come in this journey. And you celebrate and mourn at times what's behind you. But there's also the anticipation of what will come next. I remember in high school, the day I was baptized. Because for the first 15 years of my life, I had been on this journey. I, I mean, I was born in a pew. Like, literally. I think my mom just gave birth in the pew at Highland Oaks, and I just stayed there. And I went through this wrestling match with myself, trying to decide, well, when, when is it time? When am I ready for this? Because I had this idea in my mind that the day I was going to be baptized was the moment I was going to get everything right in my life and get everything put together like it was supposed to be. Get all the bad stuff out and all the good stuff in, and then I would begin this journey. And it really did feel like this ending. Like I've arrived, I've gotten to this point, I've, I've gotten into the water, and my past is gone, my sins are forgiven. This is the end. And I think a lot of times we can kind of treat it that way. You get to the end, and here's the past, but one of the beautiful things about this picture in baptism is that it's not just an end, it's also a new beginning. In Galatians, Paul is writing to this church, and he says to them, Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed, so that the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So there's this law that you have that is to be a guardian until Christ comes. And then once Christ comes, there's this transition that happens. So in Christ Jesus... And this is the phrase that Paul continues to use over and over and over. In Christ Jesus. 
In Christ Jesus, you all are children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. It's like this garment that you put on. That you go through the water and out on the other side, you are clothed in Him. Like it's this new garment, this new life. Now, in this new life, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So here's what this new life is going to be like in Christ. That you're not under the law. The law is no longer your guardian. You are in Christ, and Christ is your guardian. Christ is what you followed. Before it was the law that you followed. Now it's Christ that you follow. It's Christ that sustains you. It's Christ that gives you life. Not this old system of sacrifice. Instead, there's going to be this new sacrifice that's offered for all once and for all. And now you are in him. And so Jesus comes on the scene. And there's a guy named John the Baptist who says, I've come to prepare the way for the Messiah. You've been waiting for this Jesus. You've been waiting for this Messiah. And then he shows up on the scene. And he shows up with the expectation that he's going to come and he's going to conquer and he's going to reign and he's going to take over power and control. So verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? There's this moment of, wait, I've been here preparing the way for you. You're here now, so I'm done. I'm going to step out of the picture, and it's for you. This is why I've been preparing the way. I've been preparing for Messiah and getting people ready for Messiah. Now you're here. And Jesus comes to him and says, I need to be baptized by you. Jesus replied, let it be so Now, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. This has to be done. Jesus comes on the scene not as a God trying to sweep everyone away in judgment, but he comes on the scene and identifies himself with people who are going to face judgment and who need to repent. And he says, I'm going to be a part of you. And I'm going to live the life that you should live. I'm going to die the death that you should die. And in me, you're going to find life. You're going to find this new beginning, this new start. And the end is also a new beginning. See, it's the end of this journey of this old self, of this old you, of your sins, of your past. They're washed away. And now in Christ, there is this new life, this new beginning, this new start. And so as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He comes to this moment in the journey, and he comes out of the water, and God speaks this voice over him and says, this is my son. I love him. I am pleased with him. See, the water is the place where your identity is confirmed. The water is the place that you are given this new identity, this new start. See, here's the thing. For so many of you, you have been on this journey for so long. And you find yourself in these difficult places in life. And I believe more than anything else, you need to hear, I am loved, I'm a child of God, and He is pleased with me. I am loved, I'm a child of God, and He is pleased with me. Because if you are not sure of that identity, you will begin to search everywhere else for it. Do you, do you remember back to the days sitting in these desks? How much of your life was spent searching for identity? Because these are young and formative years and you're trying to figure out who you are. And you're trying to figure out where you belong. And you try to figure out what it is your life is supposed to be about. Why are you here? And I wonder this morning how many are still asking those same questions. Who am I? What is my life supposed to be about? Why am I here? You see, Jesus' identity at this point is God confirms his identity in the water. His identity is not about performance. He hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't healed a blind person. He hasn't made a lame person walk. He hasn't sat down next to a well with a woman who is searching for love and happiness and acceptance. His identity is confirmed not because of performance, because of, but because of proximity. Because of his relationship to the Father. And it's in this moment that he goes through the water into this new life that he identifies with these people who are broken and hurting and facing judgment and in need of repentance. He identifies them and he enters into their life. And he says, I'm, I'm with you. I'm here for you. 
And I want you to know that the same thing that my God, my Father says about me, He says about you who are in Christ. You are loved. You're a child of God. And He is pleased with you. And you need to know that because I guarantee you there is something that will always happen. There's this pattern that happens that we see emerge through Scripture that we go through the water and into new life. That in the water, our sins are gone. They're washed away. We experience this new life, this new birth. We begin again. And in the water, this identity that is confirmed will be questioned later. Because there's part of this journey that we forget about. What what happens right after Jesus comes out of the water? He goes from the water into the wilderness. See, there's this journey that takes place from the water to the wilderness that is nothing new. You go back to Noah. Noah goes through the water, and God saves him. He rescues him, and he begins this new life in a new land. Or you go to Moses, who led the people through the water, through the Red Sea, into this new life, but this new life was in a desert. Or there's Elisha comes to Naaman and says, you need to go through the water to rid yourself of the disease. Or there's Joshua. And just a real quick question, where does Jesus' baptism take place? In the Jordan River. Joshua. Actually, I'll just read it off the screen. Joshua chapter There we go, chapter 3. Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. They go through the water into this new life, into this new land. And the good thing is finally arriving at the promised land. The thing you would expect more than anything is from there life gets better. This is what God's been leading you to. This is what God's been telling you about. There's the promised land. There's no more pain. There's no more uncertainty. See, that's what I was thinking when I gave my life to Christ. When I was baptized, that there was going to be this moment, this finality, that everything from that point gets better. What I wasn't expecting to find 
on the other side of the water is the wilderness. See, Joshua, the waters part. They walk through on dry ground. They walk through the waters into this new life. They enter the promised land. And yet, what do they find in the promised land? They find walls and wilderness. They find this giant fortified city called Jericho with these massive walls and these enemies in this land that God had given them. They find wilderness. They find a promised land, yes, that was flowing with milk and honey, and yes, had fertile soil, but was still 80% wilderness. That the life they thought they were going to have on the other side did not look like they expected it to look. You see, what they mistake, they thought God was saving them from the enemies of their past by getting them away from them. But maybe God was taking them from one place and one set of enemies into a place where they would be confronted by new ones. There's this journey from the water to the wilderness. And what we thought was an ending is really just a new beginning. So my guess is, for some of you, you're sitting in the wilderness. And you feel alone, and you feel uncertain. And you need to be reminded of your identity. You need to be reminded, wherever you are, that you are loved, you are a child of God, and He is pleased with you. And he is pulling you and calling you to himself that you would become more and more like him. That you would immerse yourself. Not not that just immersion happened one time, but that day after day you would continue to immerse yourself in his life. That every day would be a new beginning. That every day would be a new start. That it wasn't just the ending of one thing, but it was the beginning of something new. See, some of you find yourself in the wilderness and you ask why. God, why am I here? Why am I going through this? Where are you? What are you up to? Why am I experiencing this pain? God, I gave my life to you. I trusted you. And now I'm experiencing all of this heartache. And God, where are you? First, I would say, I don't know. I don't know why you're in that place. And I don't think it's our place to try to answer that. But second, as you are in that place, you need to be reminded that you are loved, you're a child of God, and He is pleased with you. That you are loved, you're a child of God, and He is pleased with you. It's the wilderness that forms and shapes us. I think as much as the water does. The water gives us this new identity. 
but it's in the wilderness that that identity is shaped and formed <clears throat> to be more like Christ. See, what if we see grace? I think we see grace a lot of times as God pulling us out of the wilderness. When maybe God's grace is Him leading us into the wilderness. It, it's the place that we don't want to go. And as painful and as uncertain as it is, maybe it's the place that changes us more than any other place. God comes to this prophet named Hosea. And he says, Hosea, you're going to go and you're going to marry a prostitute. Because Israel has become like a prostitute to me. And as God is speaking to Hosea, he says, therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. The wilderness is the place where in all of the hurt and all of the pain that maybe we get to hear God's voice the loudest. Because of all the other voices and distractions are gone. Maybe it's in the wilderness, in the difficult times, in the heartache, in the hurt, in the pain that God shapes and forms us. What if God providing for us is not him pulling us out of the wilderness, but leading us through the wilderness. Is there anyone here this morning who is addicted and struggling to keep your head above water? Whose marriage is falling apart? who's scared about tomorrow and what tomorrow looks like. And you didn't expect that on the other side of the water as you entered into new life. You expected this beautiful, vast, promised land. And yet you find yourself in pain and sorrow and grief. And the last thing you expected on the other side of the water was walls and wilderness. The last thing you expected was enemies to still be there. But yet every day you wake up greed and selfishness and pride and envy are right outside your door. And you're searching everywhere for this new identity. Can I just remind you that when you went through the water, God gave you this new identity. This new identity where you are a child of the Most High. And He wants to tell you this morning that you are loved. You're a child of God. And he is pleased with you.
You are loved. You're a child of God. And He is pleased with you. If you've never followed Him through the water into new life and baptism, we want to offer you that invitation this morning to walk through the water come out on the other side with this new life the sins of the past washed away this new life of the redeemed child of God with this new identity you are loved you're a child of God and he is pleased with you we would offer you that invitation this morning but if you find yourself in the wilderness and you've been through the water and you're just searching and you're wondering, God, where are you? We have some shepherds here who are just phenomenal men. They would love more than anything this morning just to put their arm around you and pray for you. We might not have answers as to why you're going through what you're going through, but we can tell you you are loved. You're a child of God. And he is pleased with you. Father, this morning, we come to you empty and broken. But Father, we come to you with a new identity. The identity of your children. That you have called us, you have loved us, you have saved us. And Father, you have set us free to live in this new life. But yet in this new life, Father, we find pain. We find sorrow. We find hurt. But yet there, there you are with us. Father, pour your spirit over us that we may have life. And Father, continue our journey every day of being immersed once again into you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would give your life to Christ this morning, we want to offer you that invitation. If we could pray for you, that same invitation to you as well. But whatever you need, come while we stand and sing.